All right, Eva. Ha. Mm, I have a nice warm cup of Earl Grey tea. Um, it's the Sadaf brand. I don't know if you, I think it's a Middle Eastern brand, so some of you may not know it. But if you go into a store, you know what? I think recently they started selling it at Ralph's. So if you go into Ralph's, you might see it there. If not, your local Middle Eastern market will definitely have it. Sadaf brand, S A D A F. Best tea I've ever had, especially with like one or two cubes of sugar. The first person who put me on to cubes of sugar was Aaron Karatis. I'd go to his house at, you know, nights, um, whether it was high school, college, or even law school. Um, we would always have tea there. And I'm pretty sure he used this, the, he uses the Sadaf brand too, but I've never actually seen it. It just tastes the same. But Aaron also uses loose leaf tea. So it could be that that's why it tastes really good. And I think his grandma has just so much experience in making tea that she knows the perfect balance of water to loose leaf concentrate. I don't know if it's called concentrate, but it's the portion of the tea in the water that is just tea, highly concentrated, nice, dark, and you put maybe like one ounce and then the rest of the glass you fill with regular hot water and then that blend creates the tea. Anyway, he would always have like pure honeycomb and sugar cubes. And I remember thinking, this is a great vibe. This is an awesome vibe. And it got me very into tea. So thank you, Aaron. But anyway, that's what I'm drinking right now. Um, I also have a water bottle just in case I don't want something hot when my throat gets dry. Nevertheless, I wanted to talk about law school. My first year of law school was probably the most difficult I feel like I was thrown into this pit of you know winner takes all you don't know what you're doing but we're gonna make you do it anyway and you're gonna have to learn as you go along and if you don't learn fast enough then we're gonna kick you out because you just didn't get the grades that you were supposed to get to stay alive on our campus my school was I don't know nice enough to say hey look if you get a certain GPA at the end of the year uh, you're, we will give you a 100% scholarship or a different scholarship based on the GPA you get. I think it was up until, a two, I think if you had a 2.8 or above, you got some percent of scholarship. So I think a 2.8 got like 20, uh, 25% scholarship. And then if you were above a three, you got like, I think maybe 50%. And then if you were above, I think if you were above three point three you got 75 percent, and then if you were above if you had a 3.5 or higher then they would give you a 100 percent scholarship now that was the school's policy it applied to every student which was cool because every student now has the opportunity to get a certain uh you know percentage of scholarship but if you think about it like hey this scholarship is offered to every student the school obviously needs to make money. So they're naturally going to make it that much more difficult to get the good GPA, if that makes sense. Now, the professors, I would say at my school while I was first year, did want me to succeed. I felt that they put in countless hours to make sure I understood the topics um, they went over their midterms adequately. They went over their final exams adequately. Um, so they definitely equipped you with the tools to get the good GPA. 
but at the end of the day it was your ability and your 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 knowledge that got you the GPA there was a lot of people in my first year class that tried to argue that the the school and the professors were in some sort of conspiracy to limit students grades and so that's why like they they said there was a secret curve because our, our school always told us there's no curve if you get an a you get an a if you get a b you get a b there's no curve um but that's what we were told but there were some students that argued no there is a curve they they don't want everyone to get 100 scholarship so there is a curve and they are not afraid to fail people so that um even if they don't deserve it so that they don't get a certain scholarship i don't know if that's true I, it didn't apply to me at all. I mean, if it did, then I'm very fortunate to be on the better end of the scholarship curve, if we want to call it that. Um, but other than that, I remember my my first class session was contracts. Um, and I remember sitting in my class. Actually, we had a... You know what? We did have an orientation. Orientation was fun. Um, at the orient, so I, I was actually at high camp. I was a counselor for the week that was leading up to high camp. And, uh, the orientation was, it was either on Saturday or Sunday. So I had to leave camp early and I drove through the night because I wanted to make sure that I maximized my time, I guess, to high camp. I didn't want to just dip out, you know, and be like, oh, I have orientation tomorrow. See you later. So what I did was I put the kids in my cabin to sleep. And then I think around maybe like 11 o'clock, I packed all my things and I just started driving back to Orange County all the way from Fresno. So I drove well through the night after already having a weeks of little to no rest. Um, and I, I remember I was falling asleep while driving. So I would just pull over on the side of the road, uh, take a nap uh, for like maybe 10 to 20 minutes and then get back on the road and get there. And I remember arriving to my house, 6.30 a.m. I had time to shower and put on like, you know, pretty much like a golf outfit to get to my orientation by, I think, 8.30. So I did that. I, I arrive. I went into the wrong orientation session. So I, apparently, I was in, in class group B out of A and B. And but I was sitting with the A's. So that was really funny. Um, and I remember sitting down and I think the librarian came in to talk to us and introduce herself as the librarian, introduced the library and the school. And she at the end of her speech was like, and you never know when you might get lucky. You know, you never know what you might find under your seat. And I remember thinking to myself, that doesn't make sense. I've never heard of that analogy before under my seat. How, how does that even make sense? So, I, you know, all these people were looking under their seat. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's a weird analogy. And then she, you know, the librarian looked directly at me and was like, and you never know what you could find. She's like pointing to me with her open palm under your seat. And I'm looking and I'm nodding. I'm like, yeah, that's that's incredible I don't really understand but awesome and then she was like look and she looked at me opened her eyes super wide and was like look under your seat all these kids are looking under their seat so I put my hand under and I feel like a piece of paper and I pull it out and it turns out it was a five dollar bill she was like oh lucky you you know you you get to go buy yourself some Starbucks 
Um, and I was like, wow, you know, I've never liked, I've never actually won anything like this. I've, I don't think I've won a raffle almost ever in my life. And if I did win a raffle, it was the one where you had to bid the most to win the item. I've definitely won that is an Armenian CD. I thought I had to guess the price. Um, <laughs> so I put the price down that I thought it was and I won because it was the highest price and I had to pay it. I think it was a donation to the school though so it was great but anyway I won this five dollars and I didn't use it for coffee I remember taping it up on my wall and said this is the first five dollars I made as a lawyer you know I as orientation law school this is the five dollar bill thank you librarian and I pasted it just right on my wall so that every day I would wake up and I see that five dollar bill and say you know and, and just know anything can happen in any given day and that I was pumped up for law school anyway orientation was great I met a lot of classmates that ended up not being in my class like I said I was in the wrong group session so I had to re-meet everyone in my actual group session because at my law school which was Western State College of Law I don't know if they do that now because it's changed ownership but um, when I was attending we had a group session a and we had a group session B and you had contracts towards crim law um, I don't think constitutional law was year one. Uh, What else did we have? Did I say contracts? You know what? I forgot the list. But we also had legal writing um, and research. Legal writing and research. And so all of these classes were with the same people. was with group B. Um, Everyone in my group was amazing. We had a really smart group. um, And we were given... Oh, the other one is procedure. Procedure. Civil procedure. (laughs) The other one was civil procedure. Anyway... Great classes. I loved all the professors. My torts and civil procedure class was actually conjoined into one. And it was called Law in Action. And it was taught by two professors at the same time. So the class sessions were twice as long. Um, So technically we had it twice as often because it was torts and civil procedure. And the professor um, at the time wrote a book about how torts and civil procedure are just so enmeshed. Especially as a first year law school class that it only makes sense to teach them together and if you don't then you're going to end up teaching a little bit of civil procedure while you're trying to teach torts and you're going to end up teaching a little bit of torts while you're in civil procedure um so they said you know what let's just let's make it one class and try it out and i will be honest with you i learned a lot in that class because it actually gave me practical experience as to what it would be like if I worked in a law firm. And now that I work in a law firm, I can look back and say, you know what, I actually learned a lot of valuable things in that law in action class. So thank you very much to those professors. At the time, of course, like I said, I felt like I was thrown into the gladiator pit with a sword and these demons, which was really just the case law, the textbooks, the the midterms and final exams, just coming at me, trying to rip my head off. Um, And then, you know, your peers around you are are going through the same thing. So if you're looking for help from them, like, hey, do you understand this topic? They don't, you know, so you kind of have to form a group. You have to find the people you like. You have to find the people you work well with and kind of create like a study group to tackle these these complex legal issues, complex law school issues um, together, because really that's that's the only way to, to succeed in law school is to have a good core group, maybe like at least one other person but i think a good number is four um four people of of different personalities uh that work well together will will maximize the success um but anyway going that back to the original story of contracts i remember sitting in my first contracts class and you know thankfully i was on time and the professor was already standing there wearing um those hiking pants the convertible ones where you can kind of unzip at the knee and turn them into shorts 
Um, and he was wearing like water sandals with socks on. And then he had a button down shirt and a bow tie. And I remember thinking to myself, what is going on? Waist below, he's all adventure. Waist up, he's a serious man. But then you have the bow tie, which adds a little flair. Uh, very, very good, smart, wise, and fun anecdotal professor. Um, but anyway, so, you know, we start the class session. It's dead quiet. He makes it a point to walk around the classroom and hand deliver the syllabus to each and every student. So I remember getting my syllabus and then he moved to the row behind me and the front door to the classroom opens and a student walks in late and he turns or the professor turns around, points a finger at the student that just walked in and goes, you, what's your name? And the student stops in place. You get deer in headlights, just the deer in headlights, wide eyes, wide open, says his name. Professor goes, says his name again and goes, leave this classroom. You're not welcome. You're late. And the student's just looking at him like, What? And the professor says, you heard me, leave, you're not welcome. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank gosh, I was on time to this class. That kid had to leave. He was never late again, though. So I think at the end of the day, it was a good lesson to be learned. But man, if if you're asking about authority being settled in by a professor, it was done ASAP. Later on in that class, in contracts, I think it was the second semester, um, you know, uh, he, you know, he actually, he did make someone cry in my class and it was very awkward because he, he kept asking them a question. It was granted a simple question and it couldn't be answered. And so he essentially ended up saying, you will never be a good lawyer. I don't know why you're in law school. I don't know why you're doing this. Did you think this was a good idea for you? And I was sitting, and I'm paraphrasing, by the way, that that was not a quote. I'm paraphrasing. But I remember thinking to myself, damn. You know, so so the first year of law school was really something. But I made my core group of law school friends in the first year. And they have stayed friends to date. Um, So the first year of law school, very difficult. I look forward to talking to you about the second and the third year. And of course, postgraduate and undergraduate studies leading up to law school as well. But that's the episode. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to sip your Earl Grey tea.